Welcome to our Facebook Live Tuesday Testimonies. We've got a few here tonight. Let's, let's hear amen. <laughs> my church family back here supporting me. First, I need to thank Jesus Christ, the Almighty. Then my pastor and first lady for this opportunity to share what God has done. No amount of time is adequate enough to express how thankful and grateful I am for the blood of Christ, Jesus, and his mercy and grace. Such a privilege and honor to share hope, to share resurrection power. I was raised in church, was just a rambunctious child running the parking lot, a lot like Ashton Dax running around here. Playing football on the field on the side of the church, getting in trouble with ushers was a regular occurrence. Roughhousing is what they used to call it. I was taught about repentance from my lovely mother and baptized in Jesus' name by Reverend Homer Green on June 5th, 1983, and filled with the Holy Ghost April 17, 1984. At some point, we had church, a church split, and friends were split apart. I was, it affected me. First, just a side note, I think that we should protect our kids from situations like that. Uh, keep it between the adults. I grew up in a trailer park on Congress Avenue. In that trailer park, a neighborhood man molested me when I was around nine years old. During that time, my father wasn't faithful and fully consecrated to fulfill what my mom and I needed. Being that God called spiritual leader of our home, my father was a workaholic and didn't put God first or family second. So with the resentment and the hurt I carried from being molested and needing my dad, I started in my teenage years drifting away, anger, confusion, even hate, and self-destruction became part of my lifestyle. Uh, the thug culture and drug dealing seemed more flashy and more appealing. I started opening up myself to worldly influences, movies, music. Some of the rap music in the 80s and 90s was geared toward my age group that were dealing with absent fathers. So boys were under the impression they had to become men with a twisted view on what that really meant. Anger was kindled and set ablaze within me. Gangsters, drug dealers, athletes became my idols. However, what's interesting about that facade is inside I was hurting and lost. I was away from my creator who still loved me. I was deceived. At an early age in junior high school, we started being able to buy 40 ounces of malt liquor and smoking marijuana, using LSD, cocaine, mushrooms, pills, and anything to escape. Alcohol became a weekly thing. Fights, violence, and self-worth was at an all-time low. Living that facade, behind closed doors, I was depressed, suicidal, 
self-mutilating myself, um, burning myself, cutting myself, uh, many attempts to take my life with the attitude of not caring if I lived or died. Still, Jesus saw fit to not have me take my last breath. What mercy, <laughs> what love. Wow. Mom later told me she started praying the prayer, Jesus, do whatever it takes to bring Andrew back to you. You see, my mom was a prayer warrior. My mom believed in the mercy and the grace of God. A great godly mother to me. In 1999, Andrew Isaiah was born, and my life changed in that I started to wrestle in my mind about coming back to Jesus. His mom and I later divorced, and God really started to deal with me heavily. However, I was still selfish and stubborn. Multiple run-ins with the law, jail visits, multiple times on probation, I've almost been in every single building that's out at the Delo Valley Correctional Facility. My last arrest was in 2006 for DWI. I lost my license. Then I had to ride the bus practically everywhere. With joint custody of Andrew Isaiah, I did make my mind up long ago that I wasn't going to be an absent father. So I'd catch the bus or ask my mom for a ride so I can spend time with my son. When the 2006 issue happened, that was the last straw. I was exhausted of running from Jesus. We, my lawyer and I, asked the judge for help. You see, I knew Andrew Isaiah needed me, and I was tired of letting Jesus down and also my son. And I was sent to rehab in 2006 and uh, had been to rehab before. That wasn't the first time. However, this time was different. In San Antonio, before I went to rehab, I talked to Pastor Stevens, who was my pastor at the time, is now my bishop. When I get home, could I join the choir? And he said, sure. Then we had a serious talk about consecration and being faithful to God and the house of God. Having a made-up mind is also what we discussed. Keep in mind, all these stints in and out of jail, men of God, besides my mother, such as Brother Stevens, Brother Joe Rhodes, would visit me in jail and encourage and love on me. They never gave up hope for me. My mom never did. And these men of God never did. I'll never forget Christ's love through them. When in San Antonio at rehab, I was able to, after 30 days, leave the property on weekends and attend church. Brother Stevens referred me to Pastor Jackson's church. And a man of God, Brother Nathan Tannehill, started to pick me up on weekends to attend church. A little side note, what's funny is we take things for granted. And when you're in a place in a rehab and you don't have freedom to go to church as you please or you want to make your mind up that you're going to go to the house of God and be faithful, you can't in situations of jail and as of rehab. 
And so I look back, I remind myself constantly of things like that, that I need to be grateful, that I need to be faithful. Brother Nathan Tannehill started to pick me up on the weekends to attend church. In one service at altar call, Pastor Jackson spoke on leaving things at the altar, reminding us that in the old days, people would actually leave things on the altar. Pipes, drugs, needles, cigarettes, bottles of alcohol, things would be left on the altar. I went down, I repented, I snotted, I bawled like a baby, saying, Jesus, I'm tired of my way. It doesn't work. I was sick and tired of my selfish identity. Flesh was in control for way too long. In that altar, I prayed specific things that at the time I was dealing with and all of a sudden, a still small voice said, Andrew, everything will be okay. It happened twice in the altar. I was in there, tw I was laying down, I was, or I was kneeling down, and I was crying, and I was snotting and bawling. And this peaceful voice just came and said, Andrew, everything's going to be okay. And it happened two times. I believe the word says, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, at that point, I got up, I found Nathan, I grabbed his hands, we jumped, we danced around the front of the church. Jubilee, joy filled my being. Since then, I knew I'd never be the same. I was ready to surrender. In San Antonio, I prayed back through to the Holy Ghost, and then I came back to God. I can say I haven't always been perfect. However, with Jesus, all things are possible. Later, I was able to get full custody of Andrew Isaiah and reinstate my license and became youth pastor here at Austin First Church. I'm a miracle. I'm a miracle. <laughs> The influence of Austin First Church and the great family that I've joined in with. And also through my bishop's wife, Sister Stevens, I met my lovely wife, Carla Gandy Hudson. And can you believe that after that, Jesus gave me two other boys, Jaden and Ashton. My life has never been the same. My awesome wife and I just celebrated our five-year anniversary. And Ashton turned three years old in the same year. Uh, about two years ago, my mother was diagnosed with Alzheimer's and dementia. But without God, I wouldn't be someone she could have relied upon. That was a tough time for me. But it says in the word that his peace passes all understanding. And I know that she would have wanted me to continue in the way. Thank you, Jesus, for your overcoming power. He's always been there. He's always kept me. 
He had bigger plans for me. He had eternal plans. Unfortunately, I see people that I grew up with, went to high school with, went to junior high school with, that are still stuck in the same rut. Drinking, partying, more worried about reputation than an example for their children. It burdens me. There's a life that you can lead and live that's way more profitable. Our treasures are stored up in heaven. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. The redemptive power of Christ consistently amazes me. I'm constantly pursuing the process of righteousness and holiness. He's delivered me from self-esteem issues, alcohol, marijuana, drugs, and pornography, and more than all that, provided me a purpose and clarity. We go through things and we have no clue, but he always has the clue. <laughs> he always has the answer. Learning his precious word every single day. The same prayer I pray for my sons, that they get a hunger and a thirst for his word and for his righteousness and for his holiness is what I seek every day. And I'm still in the pursuit of finishing this race. I want to declare something to y'all, which it's probably hard coming from somebody that used to have self-esteem issues and confidence issues. But I want to declare that I'm a praiser. I want to declare that I'm a worshiper. I want to declare that I'm a man of, man of God now. All things I do, I do humbly. It's not about pride. It's not about ego anymore. It's not about reputation. It's about the kingdom. This is the peace that passes all understanding. God orchestrates situations for our good to benefit the kingdom and others that need him and his ways. He's proved himself time and time again. He is real and alive and can transform you if you are truly wanting a change. You can really start enjoying life. My past will not dictate my future in him. Pastor and Sister Green are here to assist us in fulfilling our potential in Christ. My life has been forever and eternally changed with Jesus and Austin First Church. If you want to experience true change for yourself, you just have to humble yourself. You have to find time and devotion to God Almighty and start that relationship. It can be five minutes. It can be 10 minutes. It can be 30 minutes of taking time out of the day. 
to start that walk with him. We're so bombarded with things of this world at jobs and in our everyday life. Basically, if you really just think about everything that you're doing and consecrate time for him, he'll start to work with you like a piece of clay and him being the potter. Come experience true change for yourself. I love my God and I love my church family. And that's basically all I have tonight. I know it's kind of short, but I'm so thankful to Jesus. And we will see you Wednesday night at church.